Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are the Architects of Entropy, and this is war. Month four of the Dragon War. The war has actually started. You can certainly call this a war as soldiers have marched and done a lot of damage. So because of that, there's a lot of stuff going on in the background now that has been kicked off. Well, once again, we have uh, Rick and Scott with us. Hey, how's it going, guys? Going great. Being all dwarfy, been living underground for a week just to prepare for this, so I'm all ready. <laughs> all right, cool. Rick, how you doing? Good. I, I'm growing my beard out to just uh, get part of the uh, field. Too. Yeah. <laughs> all right, great, great. Okay, so uh, just to give a quick recap of uh, the last month, the big thing that happened was a big battle. The Dragonborn spent about a month marching out of their big city, uh, Lake Yamorlock, um, which almost sounds like Lake Yamorlock. So maybe we should put a lake there. Um, <laughs> and uh, marched on the, the orc city of Sharlock. And it was a uh, pretty nasty fight, which wound up finding the Dragonborns, the runaway victors of that fight, as they basically rolled over the city of Sharlock and are continuing to move. Uh, looks like they're actually trying to move towards the Blasted Lands and to the dark spire to get their uh, to get their eggs and because this horrible thing has happened the orcs have sent out emissaries to the dwarves they sent diplomats i guess if they have diplomats to the forge to request help per their mutual defense pact that they had signed with the dwarves a little while back one of the other things going on right now involving the dwarves is that the Var Barbarians to the west have been uh, moving closer to the dwarven territories. Uh, they are uh, possibly looking to expand and take some stuff from the dwarves, do some old barbarian raiding, which uh, is something they uh, haven't done in a while. So this might throw a monkey wrench in things as well. Um, but the big thing, as in the last month, uh, we have decided that uh, there's one event that's going to kind of determine how the rest of the month goes. And that particular event right now is not a battle, but a meeting between the guild masters of the dwarves. Because they have this pact, the dwarves are honor bound to answer it. But, uh, well, uh, Rick, tell us a little bit about how this pact came about. It came about in road creation. But, um, yeah, so the uh, dwarves uh, were probably... Uh well at war with the Dwergar or, or knew about them and thought it might be beneficial to them to actually agree to it when this orc emissary showed up with a mutual defense pact. So th they agreed to it. The orcs convinced the great smith to uh, go ahead and sign this thing, although there was some trepidation from other dwarves. But, you know, it got signed. It's, it's law. It's a fact. It's a treaty. It's done. Why all these people are whining about it, the great smith has no idea. So, you know, that's pretty much what's going on. Great Smith kind of forced it down the dwarves' throats, I guess. All right. Yeah, and what we kind of know about the Great Smith is that she's still relatively uh, new to this position that has been vacant for some time, which is like leader of the Dwarvish religion, for lack of a better word, or the Forge, the uh, the Order of the Forge itself. So she is kind of the uh, final answer where this kind of stuff comes about. But the dwarves still have organizations within themselves that keep things going. And this particular meeting, we'll see four members of the major guilds getting together to discuss what they're going to come back to the Smith with as far as how or if this pact should be honored. 
So to do this, we have enlisted the aid of a couple of our friends who've been on a couple of episodes. You might remember Jillian and John Christensen. Hello, guys. Hi. Hello, everybody. And uh, you are going to be joining us kind of filling out some of these guild positions so we can have a nice little uh, argument and discussion about how we're going to do this. So there are several guilds, but four of the major guilds here are meeting kind of in secret to discuss how they're going to handle this. So first we have Erin Earthdelver, who is the head of the, the Delvers or the Miners Guild. And Rick, uh, you can tell me a little bit about Erin. Erin is, uh, well, he's, he's a little bit older. He can't seem to get the dust out of his uh, beard or his hair in general. Uh, dresses in leathers and stuff. You get the feeling he's not a bureaucrat so much as he, he likes to get down in there and, and do what needs to be done. But he's also very religious and he prominently displays tokens of the forge for uh, his faith. Okay. So next we have Varrican Stonehand, who is the head of the uh, Warmasters Guild, which uh, basically represents the officers in uh, the ranks of the military. Tell us about uh, Barakin Stonehand, John. Barakin is about middle-aged for a dwarf. There's some gray starting to appear in his beard. Even so, he is quite fit for a dwarf and well-built. He generally dresses in when he attends these sorts of council meetings in a uniform, as opposed to more casual clothing. He is known to be quite militant and organized, a harsh but fair leader. Okay, excellent. And next we have Derek Mountainblood. Derek is the head of the Crafters Guild. They produce pretty much everything other than like weapons and armor, which are handled by the uh, the, the smiths themselves. So I guess it'd be probably closest to would have the most contact with those outside of the forge, kind of the business end of the society. Uh, Scott, tell us a little bit about Derek Mountainblood. Uh, well, Derek Mountainblood is probably of an age of the you know an older older dwarf, but you wouldn't necessarily know it until you look at him closely because there is no gray in his beard but that may be because uh some something he puts in it it is a luxurious uh, beard that is well groomed there's no not a stray hair only the the finest uh beard oils uh this would be a good chance for a sponsor of beard care for our podcast uh we could talk about it here um but uh just insert that later he is immaculately dressed like in a way that just kind of sticks out for dwarves is like there's no stray hair no no stray piece of clothing no no dust from a mine on him he does not look like he works with his hands all that often you know maybe there's some cuts or smudges from messing around with parchment it's almost works like it doesn't quite it's like because it's so like made up and like look i'm i'm young and and virile and look at me it just looks a little off you know it's like somebody who got a facelift and it's like well you just now you just look like a person who got a facelift you don't look young you look like somebody who's had work done and that's kind of what his impression comes off but he's a deal maker you get the idea he's not crafting anything but he runs the guild and makes sure that like trade is happening and like oh okay well, these products can we get the, and we can send these away and we'll get these from the humans because they're not made as well as we could make them but it's just quicker to get them from them and okay let's get this and that, and that's what he does he's just like kind of useful 
in that way. And it's like, oh, okay, that, that's great. We don't have to worry about that because he's handling it. And um, so he has like a higher standing than perhaps his actual contribution to society. No political comment or sociological comment there. Just, just, no. just what it is. No, just business. Yeah. Yeah. Just a and, regular thing. <laughs> and finally, we have Zarek Darkhold, who is the leader of the Lore Masters Guild. They are the keepers of knowledge and history. Well, tell us a little bit about Zarek. One tends to overlook Zarek, actually, um, mostly clad in grays and browns to better be in tune with the stone and the earth around them. Uh, there are a myriad of trinkets in their head and their hair, beads made of gems, charms made of precious metals, and just bits of interesting and shiny pebble. Their beard is very um, well-kept, but not as full or as uh, prideful as most dwarves. But with them, they always carry a, a large folio? Um, closed sort of leather satchel that they keep um, one, their precious bones in, and two, a map of most of the region's mining tunnels and underground features. Slow to speak, but very insightful when they do. All right. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to go ahead and uh, set the scene. And you will notice that I do not have uh, an NPC that is appearing in this room right now. So uh, I'll be just sitting back and, and letting you go and occasionally throw out, uh, you know, hey, why don't you go ahead and roll this? But this is going to be your scene to run uh, as you see fit. But your goal here, obviously, is for you to all to get on the same page of what you're going to go and tell the Smith, and then we'll do that. So we'll go ahead and set the scene. You find yourselves in a small chamber, less of an ostentatious area uh, of the forge. It's a little more rough hewn. It's older, but there is everything you need here to have this meeting. There is a space where you can be heard. There is uh, large old stone tables, some stone pillars to sit on, and uh, probably some kind of cask of some kind of liquor there to keep everyone lubricated, but not too lubricated because you do have business to attend to, uh, but not a lot of distractions and a place where prying ears will be far. This is an area that is commonly used for clandestine meetings amongst uh, those who uh, who need to do so. So probably uh, most comfortable to Derek Mountain Blood. As a matter of fact, he was probably the one to point this out a good place for you to uh, not necessarily plot, but have a nice little conversation. So now the room is lit by a single gas lamp in the center of the table, casting shadows around this rough hewn chamber. There is evidence of some ancient adornments on this chamber itself, but they are so old and worn away by time that uh, they blend into the very stone itself. You are the four of you alone, and we will tune into this discussion in progress. Let's make this quick. I've got a meeting with our heads of recruitment in a few hours. We're going to need more people if we're going to march on the Dragonborn, after all. Yeah, I mean, that's what we should do. But we do have the barbarians over there to worry about. And then... Tell me about it. I have to keep a rump on the border with the barbarians if they're not going to jump us while we're off dealing with these dragonborns for our friends, the orcs. 
Are they really our friends? I mean, I don't know. Well, friends or not, we made an alliance, right? Well, the alliance, as I understand, is a mutual defense. So presumably they will, of course, help us fight off these barbarians. So that's what I'm counting on. Yes. Well, um, we should probably get that assurance. And we should probably construct our assistance of them in such a way that we can strike at the Dragonborn in a way that does not require us to put a large contingent of our forces far away and under the command of the orcs. We should try to maintain an independent command and maybe attack Dragonborn outposts near us, right? You are, of course, the master of this, so... Derek, I don't tell you how to sell crap to the humans. Don't tell me how to run an army. I'm just saying that maybe we should keep our people as close as possible while fulfilling the letter of the treaty that we signed with our dear friends, the orcs. But you are correct. You are the master of warfare, and I will uh, acquiesce to your strategy. What would you like to do? Well, I'm a little confused as to the purpose of this meeting. Well... We have a treaty to help the orcs in mutual defense, but we also need to defend ourselves. Those are understood. And the orcs are involved in war with the dragonborn, which we will, of course, help them with because we will fulfill our treaty. But it would seem like we need to come up with a plan of how we will not become be at a disadvantage in the coming conflict. And while fulfilling the treaty, we do not run off foolishly. Does that seem makes sense and that we can advise the smith on the best way to fulfill our treaty because we could rally your forces go out and crush the dragonborn but would that be best for us as a people stone has spoken to me this will be good what has it said stone is only strong when it is united when you begin to chip and flake away at the vein it comes apart so easily. Let us remain united and whole in the face of such hammer blows. Yes, that is it. We all come to a consensus and we advise the smith with one voice. What we come up with as the best plan will be what the smith does, right? So... Well, we need to listen to the voice of the smith that has insight that our intellects cannot comprehend. Of course, but while the smith has their eyes on the grand designs of the universe and hears and understands things we don't always do, we have an understanding of the here and now and the direct effects upon our community and uh, our people and the world around us so that we can advise on these items, which sometimes may seem small, but will have lasting effects for us. So that's why I think it is wise for us to meet discuss these items and find out uh, ways where we, we may profit. I mean, we may weather this storm in the best possible way. Well, in terms of the barbarians, the good news is the barbarians don't like caves, don't like tunnels very much. So I can place the 3rd Regiment in the cover of the mountains in that area, and we can hold them off while we deal with this ridiculous war between the orcs and the dragonborn. But you're right. I would like reassurances from the orcs that they will honor the terms of the treaty. And after this is done, pivot around to help us with the barbarians. Go the bones. Here they come. Here come the bones. 
Mm, I don't agree. Excuse me? <laughs> Fate has a different plan for you. It is unclear. That is... I am not a master tactician. That's your job. I only tell you what fate will tell me. Don't, so fate doesn't like my plan, but you can in no way tell me why? Is, is this the first time you've spoken with... Anyway, well, what if we... I mean, I don't believe fate wants you to not defend, right? That doesn't make any sense. So what if we put more people there? Or we only use the small regiment if the orcs will agree to detach forces so that we can catch the barbarians between us or something. Some tactical maneuver. Uh, you, you will know better. But, but some aid. I'm picturing we defend and then they clear these people out for us. I don't know if that will work. You, of course, would know better. But Well, of course, the other extreme of the spectrum would be that we keep the bulk of our forces facing the barbarians and send mostly cavalry to aid That's the orcs. That's not what the emissary wanted. The emissary wanted us to send an army. That's what they expect us to do. But we are under attack. It doesn't help us to fulfill their aims of the treaty and leave ourselves open to attack and plunder and destruction. And those settlements of the hills are very important to us. Those are our economic lifeline. Those keep us in our goods and the standing of our people in the best possible supply. We can't just give them away. We can't leave them undefended. They are traditionally our territory, and we will defend them every inch from the uncultured barbarian hordes. Now, given the distance that we'll be traveling to save the orcs, as I said, we could simply send the more mobile forces that we have. Cavalry, maybe some archers, and leave the bulk of our foot troops to hold in place, basically. Where is the ore strongest in a vein? Arin, I, I believe... You would be able to answer that best. Usually in the center. Derek smiles and slowly lowers their head. I'm sorry I invited them. I really am. I'm very sorry. You know, it's just we kind of needed everybody on the same page. Derek, that makes no sense. <laughs> Speak plainly. It has been years since Derek has spoke plainly. I cannot accurately describe, my love, the look of indignity. Zarek looks as if you have spoken of a chicken with three heads tap dancing on a banana. You make no sense. That's Zarek saying that. That's uh. <laughs> that's something we need to consider very heavily. I think, and and I maybe that that Zarek is suggesting that perhaps. Uh, we have to be careful dividing our forces, which is, I think, something we understood. If I may, yes, uh, uh, jump out and say, uh, uh, dare to interpret Zarek's uh, understanding of their whispers. The but, point yes. of separating out the more mobile forces would be to leave the forces best able to stand and hold in place while we take care of this war in the most glorious and quick fashion possible. Yes, I cannot find any fault in your strategy. I think that is wise. Does anyone have any other concerns at this time? I, I feel like the only issues I see with that, I think, as I say, strategy, military purposes, I think that is most logical course of action as far as I can tell. But uh, do we think, A, that this will meet the needs of the treaty we have with the orcs? 
because while I believe, you know, since we are under attack, we cannot fulfill everything. And I would prefer that we manage our own defense without the aid of the orcs. And I feel like we could tell them that, well, you can't divert forces to help us, so we will need to use more of our forces to defend them. Uh, that just seems logical. Will they see our cavalry, which I must admit I do not know the most about our dispositions of our more mobile forces, are not our largest forces. Will they seem that this token force is an insult, or is there some better way we could apply them? These will be some of the most gloried members of our army, bloodied and experienced in dozens of conflicts on the frontier. Excellent. That is the thing that I need to know, and then in that case, that I think there's no problems. Uh, Erin, Zarek, do you have anything to add? He asked trepidatiously. Well, uh, I I think that might be the best of a bad situation, but I don't think they're going to be satisfied with that. But ultimately, uh, if not, we could take the bath. I do not want them to defend our cities at all. I think that's a horrible idea. Correct. I mentioned that, but I kind of regretted that. But I think the point stands is that we are best equipped to defend our own territory, and we are present, and anybody they send to us will take too long to get there and will be less effective than our own troops in our own terrain. There's no reason they would send troops to help us during their war. But after their war, I fully intend to ask for some of their infantry. They'll make great cannon fodder against the barbarians. Yes, well, if you, if you leave them on top of the mountains, <laughs> perhaps. I mean, we don't want them inside the forest. Are you aware that the only metal that is stronger than that we mine falls from the sky? No. So anyway, um, <laughs> I was not aware of that, but that is good to know. Now, where... Uh, all right, yes, I think after is after, and we can we can there what we want to make sure we do is we do enough and we argue well enough that we are sending them elite soldiers even though it's not a whole army it is an elite vanguard that can help them and we'll take care of our own defense and we don't require them to send more people because they are in a conflict already and we will deal with this that is good those i think are quality arguments and we will have to see what the smith says but if we are agreed that that is a argument whether they will go for it or not i think we have to defend our territory against the barbarians the orcs are coming to us for help what are they going to say no no thank you well i suspect what they will say is well you're supposed to help us in this thing and you have to send more people or else there's going to be trouble after this is over and i assume the the smith in their wisdom has chosen to do this because they foresee some benefit to the dwarves in an an orcish victory, yes? An eye opens in the center of the earth. I see a grasping hand unfolding an egg to the south. Red rain will flow from the east, flooding towards the lowlands of man. I... Okay. That's not a plan. Okay, great. I have to... Perhaps, that, perhaps, that means something perhaps, very perhaps important. Darkhold, perhaps Darkhold is saying that after we succeed in this, we will be the red rain on these human barbarian scum. Is that what you mean, Zarek? Oh, you asked Zarek a direct question. That is not going to go well. <laughs> but I believe the barbarians are the best. <laughs> oh, the bones. I hear the bones in my nightmares. Mm. No. Okay. So, 
<laughs> the barbarians are to the west. Thing is to the east. I can't. I. All right. Barricade just starts sputtering. Like, <laughs> even know what the thing is at that point. Well, I believe uh, we're of an agreement of a sort. Yes. That we will uh, pitch this to Her Holiness and hope that the orcs agree and get everyone on the same page. All good. Yes, I think so. I think this is the wisest course, and we will need the wisdom and insight of the holiness to tell us why this will not work. Yeah. Red yeah. rain aside. Barricade takes a long drink of his tanker. Mm. Probably empties it. You, mm. think if, you think if the dwarves had invented pinching the bridge of your nose between your eyes, mm. you would be doing that. But then he says, yes. Mm. Let's do just that. Right. Well, um, we will send a message to the smith that we will convene the Council of Guilds, or whatever we call this, yeah. at the smith's earliest convenience. Yeah, that sounds good. Let's do that. Let's hope she's not too disturbed. That is something always to be hoped for, of course. And just as Derek finishes that statement, mm -hmm. a stone door slides open, almost on its own, and then after what seems like a, a pause that you could drive a cart through, a figure appears in the door. Small, but imposing. Young, but with the countenance of ancients. The great smith is at the door, almost as if waiting for your decision, even though she could not possibly have known at this meeting. This is a secret meeting. Ern will immediately kneel, uh, bow, he says. Derek will bow in the current and acceptable fashion as well. I am your servant. I should kneel to you, please. I understand you have something you need to tell me. Yes. Well, we have met in our capacity as advisors to your holiness to discuss the forthcoming trials of our people. And we have come to an agreement on what we would advise, believing that, as Eric so wisely mentioned, that a stone that is whole is strongest. And we thought it would be best that we would all come to an agreement of the wisest course of action so that we may advise you all in a unified way. And then I pause and inwardly just hope Zarek doesn't roll a bunch of bones and say something. <laughs> and I was like, and I believe our esteemed war master has come up with a plan that serves the needs of the Dwarven Kingdom and still fulfills our obligations to our doughty allies. Of course, as you know... We must defend our territory against the encroaching barbarians. We have a large force state mobilized there in order to do so. That force consists of elements to hold ground and take ground. I propose to take that force's most mobile assets, cavalry, probably the archers, and move them to support the orcs. That'll help the orcs finish their wars speedily as possible, while the rest of our forces continue holding against the barbarian hordes. When this is done, we can discuss in turn calling upon Orcish aid to finish our war, and maybe put this all behind us. Your counsel is wise. When I signed this agreement, I knew that there would be difficult decisions to make when the time came and it was called. Let us just remember that we are fortunate that we are not the ones coming to them for aid. However, one should never enter into an agreement with someone without the full knowledge of the possibilities. These beings are treacherous, but they are not wholly without honor. I will advise 
as you have stated, and the orc emissary will accept what we say. If they do not, well, what will happen will happen. And then she turns around and leaves. Well, that was easy. And we'll end the scene there. <laughs> it has been decided that the dwarves will send a, uh, a token, but not insubstantial force, a more mobile force to aid the orcs in answering the dragonborn, quote unquote, invasion. As the emissary, no doubt, would have led with the fact that this is an unprovoked attack from the honorless dragonborn for no particular reason leaving out that whole assassination thing, I, I, I'm imagining. So, all right. Thank you, John and Jilly, for helping us with that scene. That was a lot of fun. Hey, anytime. And uh, That was fun. Yeah, that was great. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was wonderful. <laughs> I, love, I love it. I love it when you play mystics. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just great to have someone you can throw sudden visions at. Yeah. 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 And prophecies. Uh, yeah, and the delivery right. of those was wonderful. Oh that God. was great. You did a, <laughs> more than we could have hoped for. That was wonderful. <laughs> it was my pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Okay, and with that result, we will move on to the uh, to the rest of the month. Obviously, a lot of this stuff is going on somewhat simultaneously, but I would say that's you know that meeting and that decision was probably pretty early in the month. So some ramifications can happen from that. But I think the biggest thing as far as, you know, the dwarves go is they're sending an army back with the orcs and they're not going to get to any warring right away since they have a trek to go down and, and then figure out like what is going to happen next. So in that time, well, first of all, how do we think uh, the orcs would have responded to this? I have some ideas, but I want to throw it out there. Probably less than thrilled, but they'll take what they can get. And yeah. my guess is they will try to use them to skirmish the army uh, along the edges and stuff to wither away the Dragonborn army as it tries to go against the uh, Blasted Lands. Right, right. So, Scott, let me ask you this. The plan of the Dragonborn at the end of the last session was that they were going to move on. Sherlock is really close to the Blasted Lands, so they're pretty much almost on the outskirts, and that's a big area. So the Dragonborn are wishing to just attack the Spire and get the eggs back? I assume it's that. I mean, I assume if it was a normal campaign where they were just like, oh, we're just at war, they would have this very, you know, they're dragons. So they kind of have this, okay, well, we'll take the long way and we'll kind of whittle them down and create this inability for them to really fight us and just slowly close this noose. But I think they are forced in this instance to act very quickly because obviously they have a ritual to stop i mean they their eggs are there they know something's up if they don't know exactly what's up they do know basically that there's some bad news going on so they have to go rapidly you know you don't bring in hey for the the anaconda strategy you bring in hey if it's you know aim the dagger right at their heart and go so i think that's probably the plan is like okay we're gonna move fast because there's a time component here so i think that's the plan if somebody with a better notion of what's going on or what people know. But what I'm thinking is that's how they're going. So they're going right for the Citadel. They will 
not be stupid about it. They will take out things so that there's not an army in their rear or anything like that, but they're going to move quickly and go right for the Citadel, hopefully to draw off a large force to like a blocking force. And then the idea probably would be like, okay, well then we'll send in this group of elite people, which would have been the Knights had they not been assassinated. So it's like whatever remnants of that are right. and whatever they can pull together as like their commando force 10 from Navarone to go in and try to stop the ritual presuming that like a siege of the citadel is not going to do it in time so they'll try to force a pitched battle and then send people to the citadel to try to disrupt and save the eggs or kill the necromancer or do what they can you know kind of a thing that's i think the plan if that makes sense okay the way and rick feel free to throw in because it's obviously your creation um i feel like the blasted lands by and large mostly just a big open area like Mm -hmm. open flat dead yep. area and there's a big old fortress in the middle of it yeah it, it, it's almost like obsidian and glassy so it's probably not something that an army can march across real efficiently right because it, it was made through the fertilization of the eggs from the uh breath weapons of dragons it's probably some glassy glassy thing it never clouds over it's always like this blazing sun coming down upon it no mm. matter what the weather's doing anywhere else yeah, so I imagine that the closer you get to the fortress, the, the ground probably gets more glassy and, you know, just like, yeah. and given that, you know, the, the Dragonborn do have some flying units, but that whole wing thing is relatively rare. Right. Um, you know, so those are those troops are kind of elite and you need to really protect them. But the other thing, as far as defense goes, you have this giant tower that can see out in all directions for miles and miles around. So they're definitely going to see it coming. Right. And what I would say with that point is that the idea being then they would attack whether they would break off from this army and just use a smaller force of this army to go and at least threaten the tower. But then they would break off and they would attack any other orc settlements around because the idea being like, okay, well, we have to draw off the orcs mm-hmm. and just have the minimum stuff. And then we can use those elite units to fly in and just try to commando raid the tower. Because I think a pitched battle in the Blasted Lands is not going to work uh, with that description. So they can say, okay, well, let's break this army down to just a core or a few regiments of something to just be there to be like, hey, you have to worry about us. But the bulk of the army then moves out to force the orcs to not be in the tower. And so the tower is just the necromancer and the zombies and whatever the necromancer has to that. And then it's like, okay, and then we get our elite warriors and wizards and sorcerers or whatever we got to go after the tower to try and do that so we go pitch battle over to the what the the west to like threaten all the rest of the orc settlements Mm -hmm. and then uh like that's where the main army is maybe there's another column moving up or something like that and we would kind of threaten them that way and then like we would break off a unit or six or whatever you know I'm trying to be vague about numbers here to march towards the thing knowing that hey this isn't a group that's going to besiege the tower that's not that's not an end game that works but to be there to like as a blocking force or to, just a threaten like hey you have to do something you have to mm. you have to do something and then we're going to distract you while you know dragon frodo and uh, uh whatever <laughs> fly over we use the it. eagle strategy and just drop into the tower somehow you know and yeah. we're gonna get some player characters and throw them at the tower and try and solve it that way 
That's, I think, the only viable way that this plays out for the dragons. I think the end game strategy is like, well, we cannot let the eggs turn into this thing. So if there's an actual dra- ancient dragon, it comes and blows up the tower. Is is like the Armageddon strategy is like, okay, well, we sacrifice the egg, we do that, but that's going to be the lastest resort, and they probably will resist doing that. So it may not come to pass because it's like, well, we can't sacrifice our egg, you know, and, and that kind of thing. So I, I feel like that's the okay. Well, we'll try this. Okay, we'll try this, and then they'll eventually just keep trying crap and not get to the okay just blow it up so it doesn't fall into the enemy's hands so they'll they'll never get to that strategy it will be too late by the time they decide you know push the button you know (laughs) so i i think that's just the psychology that would happen but maybe the dragon is uh more ruthless than i'm giving him him or her credit for and, and i also think the dragon is probably uh kind of slumbering you know yeah kind of wakes up every now and then and issues orders or whatever and uh but yeah in general probably it's not fully awake yeah when its eggs become you know very delicious yeah it'll it'll fully awake then yeah okay yeah so that'll be fun i feel like a large reason why the dragonborn exists is just so the dragon doesn't have to worry about this kind of shit yeah and uh you know when and if she gets involved in this war it's going to be bad for everyone yeah (laughs) because we're like seriously guys I, I just, just get me my stuff and leave me the hell alone. I, all I want is a nap and my stuff. Yeah. <laughs> giant, giant flying evil cats. <laughs> but, but yeah, some, some ideas are beginning to coalesce. I think that, and definitely, you know, while this is going on with the dwarves march down there and the dragonborn, you know, make their plans to kind of uh, run across the plains and, and send uh, forces here and there that the bar barbarians do start raiding the settlements in the hills actually more of uh not direct west of the forge but like areas down where the one river in the south goes up which are pretty key areas and they are are literally just going through it raiding they're just doing that whole you know horse lords run in uh mess stuff up and run out possibly even some boats so yeah the dwarves are are getting in in some direct conflict nothing you know nothing huge they're mostly you know mostly stealing burning things you know running people out and uh, obviously dwarves are very defensible hardy people but still the hills are are where they're if you know if they're vulnerable anywhere it's there so uh there definitely is something going on Let's say that the orcs going up to the cauldron will probably make it to the cauldron in that month Okay. Um, then they're you know they're gonna have to meet with the uh with the uh, old crazy pants in the forbidden school and uh, we'll see how that goes. So the orcs in the archipelago, uh, the idea is they, they 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 got there. The demons are like, okay, yeah, we'll help you. So 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 how do you think they're gonna get they're gonna get uh, backstabbed by the uh, the demons? Or what do you think the demons are are, are going to take advantage of this to make things bad? Uh, for everyone, because now I, I feel like um, one thing this is doing is perhaps giving them some kind of ability to get away from this horrible archipelago and uh, yeah, and yeah. Um, to the mainland where they can now see demons. You know, I mean, obviously demons come from where demons come from, but they definitely do break out of there and cause trouble in other on the other parts of Ayamora. Here's what they do: they possess certain members of the uh, yep. party to carry them across the water. That they couldn't cross on their own, then to wreak havoc, maybe upon their Asimur enemies. I don't know. 
But that's basically what they want is to cross the water, which they wouldn't be able to do on their own for whatever reason. Yeah, I like that. That's just like a thing that causes trouble later. <laughs> yeah. And maybe only one gets out, but if one gets out, then they can open gates. Right. So now, so they, but what are they going to do to assist the ritual? Oh, well, there's probably some sort of, uh, um, they're going to, they're going to open. Yes. Okay. So at least two will get across. One will help with the ritual and one will be, um, ready to, uh, start, uh, setting up demons in the South near the Asimov. Uh, the one that helps with the ritual will probably be doing some sort of opening of gates that will basically allow the, uh, well, it, would be, it could be one of two ways. It's definitely going to be gate-oriented, because that's kind of what we figured, I think we discovered to do. Now, they could either move the eggs through time by sending them through gates or whatever and aging them that way, or sending them into, like, a different dimension that has time move in a different way. I think I like the second one. Like, the eggs in the necromancer might disappear for a little bit into a different dimension. Um, yeah, they could take it to like the Feywilds or someplace where time right. moves differently. Probably not the Feywilds, but mm-hmm. yeah, something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, for example. Yeah, I don't think the demons would have a great. No, that could be fun too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Get Killian John back. We gotta, we gotta do a thing with the Feywilds and the demons talking. <laughs> but yeah, something like that. I think uh, take him to a different dimension that time travels in space, then bring it back and say. <laughs> I have to part about that for the uh, Dragon Warriors that the uh, Necromancer will be off the table for some random amount of time. How long that will be? Uh, who knows? Yeah, the, the <clears> way <throat> I see it is, uh, uh, what's becoming clear is that, um, yeah, the next month is going to be a lot of war. Uh, there's going to be a lot of battles going on in different places. And obviously, we're not going to play out like we did all those battles, but I think it might be good to pick like one like kind of main battle to determine, you know, who's going to take the biggest hit in this whole conflict. And I feel like month six is probably going to be in all likelihood, a pack of dragonborn heroes with possibly uh, some other assistance having to uh, disrupt a, uh, a big ritual that a lich is putting on, on a big tower in the middle of blasted lands. I don't know about you, but that seems like, yeah, I think yeah, I think that's where we were headed. Okay, yeah. that is awesome. I mean, they might have to jump through a gate on top of that tower to go to a different dimension, but yeah, mm-hmm. who knows? Yeah, we got, <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll figure that out. But um, what would be cool <laughs> if we can is uh, if I could get the rest of our crew back uh-huh. and uh, have you guys uh, be the uh, the quote unquote PCs. Okay, in that battle, and then uh, you know play it out as a big uh, crazy encounter. That'd be neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would work. Okay, cool, right. cool. So, um, yeah, I like that. We're uh, we're we're just uh, yeah. This is this is what it is, folks. This is just a lot of us thinking out loud, and uh, <laughs> and, uh, and it's it, thrilling. It's thrilling. It is. It's thrilling. We're yeah. This is this is thrilling. This is going to make this whole three month period away from our main story really sail by. All right. <laughs> a- anybody have any other uh, anything to add for uh, month four? Not really. Uh, no, month- I don't think so. Yeah, month five, maybe the Dragonborn attack Gorkash. I don't know. I'm just Yeah. Um, or there's a big um, you know, there's some kind of big meeting of the big armies somewhere else. Yeah, we'll figure yeah. it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah, maybe between the blasted lands and Gorkash. Yeah, something yeah, I don't know. Something like that. There's other cities and stuff going on too, and we can, you know, we can figure out different ways. I was okay. thinking of um really like quick and dirty ways to to figure out how some stuff goes. It might just come down to, hey, each guy make a battle roll, see who mm-hmm. wins, you know. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, okay. Well, uh, you heard it here. There's a, there's a plan for the next two months and this thing, uh, uh, will be, uh, well, I don't think, I don't know if it'd be over per se, but, um, you know, we'll know what happened. So that's really the goal. Uh, so until then we'll see you all in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Thank you everybody for listening. And once again, we would love to thank our apprentice architect, Patreons, Jillian and John Christensen, Suzanne Bell and Caitlin Thompson. We could not do this without you. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash AOE podcast. Have fun. We'll see you next time.